Hallelujah. Well, this morning, we're going to go ahead and continue on in our series. Now, Joseph, uh, Pastor Joseph kicked it off last week. It's our, our series of, of who we are. It's, a, it's basically the culture of Living Hope Family Church. It's who we are as a church. And last week, we learned that uh, um, we are people that are saved by grace. And this idea that, that uh, we, salvation comes to us not by the things that we've done, not by who we are, but rather by what Christ has accomplished. It's a free gift. It's by grace. And, you know, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. The only way to salvation is through Jesus in faith in him. And as we continue on today, we're going to see that we're a people that walk by faith. Now, one of the questions you might be having, if you've been here a few years, is that, um, man, don't you guys do the same same series every year? Isn't isn't it uh, the same thing over and over? Isn't that a bad thing? But and just like Peter said, uh, I'm, I want to stir you up by way of reminder. In addition to that, there are many new people that are part of the church that uh, haven't heard this before. Speaking of, if if this is your first time listening to us, your first time uh, getting involved here, just say something in the chat. Just just write the word new, and so we can say hi to you and say thanks for for being here with us. But there are a lot of people that, that have just got here in the last year, and, and we want to make sure that they know who we are, what the culture of our church is, um, what we believe, what our, our, our purpose is. And that's what the next several messages are going to be about. And today we're going to learn that we're people that walk by faith. And we're going to break it down like this. What is faith? Because here's the thing. Worldly faith is based on experiences. But faith in God is is based on the infallible truth of the word of God. We're going to talk about where faith comes from today and talk about why we can trust God. Is he who he says he is? Will he do what he says he's going to do? And then I want to show you what faith actually looks like in action. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to start on Hebrews 11, 1 through 2, and it says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. In 1982, the Webster's Dictionary defined faith like this. It says, faith, that firm belief of God's testimony and of the truth of the gospel which influences the will and leads to an entire reliance on Christ for salvation. As you know, if you look that up in the Webster's Dictionary right now, it says something like this. It's it's watered down. Now it says, belief in God or in the doctrines or teachings of religion. I like what it used to say, that firm belief in God's testimony and the truth of the gospel, which influences the will and leads to an entire reliance on Christ for salvation. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. For us, faith is that assurance of salvation because we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And it's the conviction of things not seen. Assurance can also be translated to substance or subsistence. It is the very foundation that our hope stands on. Without, without faith, biblical hope is meaningless because it's actually what what makes up what we believe in without faith it doesn't exist when faith is that assurance or the substance of those things hope for us our faith what actually causes those things to be in existence and then it says it's conviction of things not seen you guys remember the widow that that had her son die and when he was coming out elijah said is everything well with you and she said all is well 
What a curious response to a woman who just had her son die. But the thing is, is she believed God. She believed that she would have her son. So she was convicted of things not seen. She had a conviction of things not seen. She had a conviction that her son was alive, even though he had just died. And you know the rest of the story. He's risen from the dead. He comes back to life. But this idea of conviction of things unseen, you know, we'll get, I'll get stuff like blind faith is just crazy. You know, why are you going to have blind faith, you know, believing in something that you can't see? And we'll talk about that because I think there's evidence all around for God and Jesus and for the things that he's done. But many people would argue that, that uh, blind faith is crazy. And you know what? I would agree with them. I think blind faith is dumb. Putting your trust in, in, in somebody uh, without anything else to back them up, to show anything, I think that is kind of crazy. You know, if you were to ask a random stranger to give them $5,000 and say, hey, can you go put this in my account? You know, blind faith that they would listen and not put it in their pocket. That's crazy. But putting your trust in God is one of the sanest things that you can do. And the truth is everyone has faith in something. What's yours in? Is your faith in your job? Is your faith in your spouse? Is your faith in yourself? The truth is, is even little mundane things we have faith in. Everybody went to bed last night with faith that the sun would rise in the morning, that they would get up and come to church this morning. Every single one of you sat down on your couch this morning and you didn't have a a care in the world. You didn't have a doubt in the world that that couch would hold you up. Now, I notice that it's requiring more and more faith the longer I'm on quarantine as I get my quarantine. I went from dad bod to quarantine bod and it's not looking good. I'm going to have to course correct here pretty soon. But the truth is, is, is I sat down on this stool this morning without a doubt that it would hold me up. We all have faith in something. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Did you know it's impossible to please God without faith? You see, sacrifices and offerings actually don't please God. Hebrews 10.5-6 says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. The Bible also says our good works are like filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6, we all became like one who was unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And then Paul said this in Philippians 3, 8, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. All that other stuff that we have, our achievements, our doing all the right thing, none of that is pleasing to God. Our religious ceremony isn't going to cut it. The only thing that pleases God is faith. You know, not by doing anything bad, not sinning, basically keeping score is not what makes God happy. You're not going to stand in front of God one day and he's going to weigh your good versus your bad and say, oh, you've had a little bit more good than bad. Therefore, I'm happy with you. No, when you stand before God, what's going to please him is your faith in his son, your faith in him. And the reality is, is that we must believe that he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he's going to do. Trusting him is what pleases God. So the question we have to ask is, is he faithful? 
James 1.17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You see, one of the things that we can see in our God is that he never changes. If he's, he, he never wavers. If he says something, he's going to do it. And we see his work in our lives every single day. We see evidence of his faithfulness right now. I can tell you in the midst of this pandemic, when things are going around and people are losing their jobs and not having enough, I've seen God's faithfulness in my life and in the lives of every single one of you who are tuned in right now. God is, even if you're not working, God is still meeting your needs. And even so much so that many of you, um, even in the midst of not having maybe what you used to have, you're still being generous and giving to others and meeting other people's needs. And that's God working in you and working through you. He is so faithful. And we see that evidence in our lives every single day. There's a funny story that I always love to tell when I preach about this, because I think it's hilarious, but there was a a preacher's little son was told to go wash his hands before lunch. And the little guy's getting all upset. He's like, why do I have to wash my hands every time I go and eat? And his mom says, because there's germs on your hands. And he looks and he says, but I don't see any germs. And she says, they're there. Go wash your hands. And he runs to the bathroom and as he's washing his hands, he's shaking his head and mumbling. And he says, germs in Jesus, germs in Jesus. That's all I ever talk about in this house. And I ain't never seen either one of them. But here's the thing is, is that we see Jesus every single day in our life. We see Jesus in and, and God moved to make sure that we're taken care of, that we have more than enough. And the truth is, particularly in this country, the poorest of us are rich. And we can trust God because we know he's not a liar. We can trust God because he's not going to change his mind towards you. He says he loves you and he sent his son for you and he's not going to change his mind for you. Numbers twenty three nineteen says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said and he will, has he said when will he not do it or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? The thing is, is when we read the word of God and we see those promises, we can bank on them. We can, we can take them as true because God is who he says he is. And if he said it, he's going to do it. See, that's the thing we have to ask ourselves is how do we determine if something is worth trusting? How do we determine if something is reliable? And, and the reality is, is that in many ways, it's, it's our experience with it. This is what David said. He said, I was, I was young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. He saw through the test of time through his life that he was always, God was always faithful to him. God never left him. Even in, I don't know if, you, if you've read the story of David, he went through some rough times, but he said, God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. You know, how do we determine if something is reliable as, a, as if, if it does what it says it's going to do? If you have a car, how do you determine if your car is reliable or trustworthy? If it's well built and it always turns on and it always runs and it never gives you any problems, then it's trustworthy, it's reliable. And the truth is, is that when we read the word of God, that's that's who we see he is. He doesn't change his mind. He's not wishy-washy. He's not confused. And he's definitely not confused towards you. He is faithful and he loves you. And I guarantee you that his promises will stand the test of time. 
So the next question is, and where do we where do we get faith? And this is what Romans ten seventeen comes, and you've probably all heard this hundreds of times, but it says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is what uh, Dwight Moody said. He was a preacher and evangelist in the 1800s. And he said, if all the time I've spent praying for faith was put together, it would be months. I thought that someday faith was going to come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not come. Then one day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to read God's word, and faith has been growing ever since. Faith is grown by hearing and reading the word of God. Now, if I asked right now, by a show of hands, how many of you wish that you had more faith? I imagine that every single person listening to today would raise their hands and say that they want more faith. But the Bible is clear. You get more faith by hearing the word of God. And it's great that you're listening on a, on a, a Sunday morning and you're hearing me preach and read the word of God. If you've ever wondered why I use so much scripture in my teaching, this is why. Because the truth is, is that my words aren't going to build faith in you. But the word of God will. So I want to have as much of his word um, coming out of my mouth and into your ears as possible so that your faith would increase, that your faith would grow. Our faith doesn't grow because people tell us to believe. Our faith grows when we spend time in his word. And if if the only time you ever hear God's word is on a Sunday morning, then you're not getting enough. Your faith isn't growing like it should. If you want your faith to grow, you need to start opening your Bible. And there's other times we can do it together. Wednesday night, we have a Bible study every Wednesday night. Spend time there with us in the word of God where we dive in deep and we study and we discuss it. And then every single day you need to be spending time in the word by yourself. That the first thing when you get up in the morning or if it's right before you go to bed, the truth is I don't care when you do it, but make sure that every single day that you are opening your Bible. If you want more faith, that is the way you get it. If you want to trust more God more, that is how you do it. Because when you read his word, you see that he is faithful. You see that he is trustworthy and your faith will grow. If you want your marriage to become stronger, read your word more. If you want your body to be healthier, read your word more. Because as you put, as you read your word, your faith increases and you'll trust God for more. Our faith doesn't grow just because we're told to believe. And the truth is, even testimonies don't produce faith. Now, we all love a good testimony. I love hearing testimonies. Matter of fact, uh, the last couple of worship nights we've did at the church, that was one of the big parts of it is we let people get up and just share their testimony. But how many do you know that your testimony is not going to save somebody else? Now, for sure, it can create an opportunity for you to share the gospel and share the word of God, but, but their, your testimony is never going to make somebody believe more. It just creates opportunity for them to hear the word and be able to couple the word in their lives and their faith will increase. And certainly faith that rests on the wisdom of man is not faith at all. If you believe or just because someone tells you to believe, that's not real faith. That's a brittle creation that will fail just like men fail us all the time. But instead... Spend time in the word. I would encourage you, spend time in the word. Matter of fact, as a Christian, those are the, the, the two things that you need to be doing most often is spending time reading your word and then spending time praying. 
First thing you do when you get up in the morning, read a couple chapters and then begin to pray. Actually pray about the words you just read. Pray the words you just read. That's a that's a trick. If you want to know what to pray and you want to make sure that you're praying in line with the, the will of God, just repeat the promises of God that you find in the Bible. Just repeat the word of God in your prayer and stand on it because you know it's according to his will because it's his word. But do those things if you want to grow, if you want your faith to increase, then go ahead and spend time in his word on a regular basis. Because here's the thing is that the enemy of faith, the opposite of faith is unbelief. And that's your two choices. You can have faith, which you know you have to read the word for that to grow. If you don't have faith, the opposite of that, the enemy of that is unbelief. Matthew 13, 55 through 58 says this, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where did the, where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They didn't believe that Jesus was who he says he was. And what's crazy is that by not trust, not believing in him, by not believing he was who he said he was, they, he, they actually limited Jesus' ability to work in their midst. Now, this is something that's hard for us to hear because on one end, we know that God is mighty and he can do anything. But on the other, we see that, that our lack of faith actually limits his ability to work in our lives. Did you know that you can actually limit God's ability to work in your lives? Not because you're more powerful than him, but because God operates in the structure that he put together. He, he, he operates in this, this system where he says that if you trust me, if you put your faith in me, then I'm pleased with you. If you trust me, if you put your faith in me, then I can work in your life. And here it says they didn't believe that he was who he said he was. They said, didn't we grow up with this guy? And because of that, it says that he could not do many mighty works there. Because why? Because of their unbelief. And we don't just see, I mean, this happened to Peter, right? Peter stepped out on the water and he was walking across the water to Jesus. Can you imagine having that experience as Peter? He's walking across the water. And then when he gets there, the storm kicks up a little bit. He gets afraid and he starts to sink. And what did Jesus say to him? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The reason Peter sank, the reason why Peter wasn't operating in the way that God wanted him to operate was because he wasn't having faith. He was, he was not believing. Unbelief is the enemy of faith. And the thing is, is for so many of us, we start out good. We make that decision and say, I'm going to trust God in this situation. But as soon as trouble comes, just like what happened with Peter, we start to doubt and we begin to sink. I would encourage you just continue to trust God no matter what it looks like around us. And another thing I want to point out here is, is I've heard this before. I'm sure you've heard it too. But people have said to me, man, it would be so much easier to believe if I saw in those times and I could see all those, man, I, you would just think how much I would more I would believe if I could see all that. But the thing is, is, is when you live has no bearing on how much faith you have. These people walked right alongside Jesus. They heard the stories. They saw what he was doing. 
yet they still didn't believe. They were right there with him. Peter walked with Jesus, yet he still had moments of doubt. So the truth is, is that if you want your faith to increase, spend time in the word of God and don't, don't bemoan when you're alive right now. The truth is, is that we have a greater advantage than any of them ever had because we have the entirety of the Bible that's been written. We have more opportunity to read his word and have our faith increase. And faith is powerful. I don't know that you, if you really understand that, but uh, Matthew 17, 20 says this. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. You see, Jesus had just had a situation where they asked, why couldn't we do it? He said, because of your littleness of faith. That littleness of faith limited their ability to accomplish something for the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus said this, if you just have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, and so many people have interpreted this to mean that that if you just have a little little bitty faith, then you can do really, really big things. But that's not what he says here. He says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, not the size of a mustard seed, faith the size of a mustard seed is not going to accomplish much. We already found out that little faith causes problems. But here's the thing about a mustard seed. And if you've ever seen one, I don't know if you've ever seen one. My my mom used to have them in a um, uh, one of those little spice jars when I was growing up. And they're these little tiny yellowish colored seeds. They're very, very small. But when you plant them and they grow, the plants that they grow into are, are taller than men. So this tiny itty bitty seed grows to something that's taller than a man, almost the size of some small trees. And that's what Jesus is saying. If your faith is like that mustard seed, it can start small. We all got to start somewhere. Your faith can start small, but you want it to grow. You want it to stop being the size of a tiny mustard seed, but you want it to grow into something massive so that it can accomplish much in your life. You know, those mustard seeds, when they're planted and they grow over 10 feet tall, that's what your faith should look like. And how do you grow it? We already talked about that. Spend time in his word, read his word, listen to his word, and let it uh, permeate inside of you. And when you begin to meditate on his word, when you begin to read his word, when you begin to memorize his word and, and be able to repeat his word, you'll see that your faith will grow just like the mustard seed grows. And, and here it says, nothing will be impossible to you. I mean, he says, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. Now that's not going to take mustard, si- mustard seed sized faith. That's going to take full grown mustard plant sized faith. But you could say to this mountain, move, and it would move. He says, nothing will be impossible to you. It doesn't say some things, most things. It says, nothing will be impossible to you if you have faith that'll grow and increase in size. Matthew 21, 21 says this, and Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you stay to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. He says, what do you say? If you have faith and do not doubt, remember doubt, unbelief is the enemy of faith. He says, if you say this, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Now it doesn't say, ask God to cast the mountain in the sea. I want you to notice that as well. It doesn't say, beg God 
to throw the mountain into the sea. If you ask nicely, or if you say, God, if you'll just throw this mountain in the sea, then I'll do this. But no, it says, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown in the sea, it will happen. That means that by faith, we speak, we walk on the water, we operate, we command bodies to be made whole. We command uh, spirits to come out of people if they're in them. We, we speak. And by our faith, these things happen. See, here's the thing, church, is that we need to stop telling our problems or, or stop telling our, our God about our problems, but instead start telling our problems about our God. Speak to your problems. Tell them to go. Use the authority that God has given you and operate in faith. Because if you have faith like a mustard seed that's grown into something huge, then you can tell that mountain to get up and be cast into the sea. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It says I've been crucified with Christ. What's that mean? It means that we traded places. Jesus went to the cross for us, died and gave his life for us, and he has given us a brand new life in place. By faith, we have been made brand new. Our old life has passed away. We're justified. We're holy. We're perfect. We're pure. And we're redeemed. And faith is how we step out into what God has said of us. Even if our, our soul that, you know, you don't know this, but if you don't know this, you have a spirit, you have a soul and you have a body. Your body is, is, is what you see. Your soul is your mind, will and emotions and your spirit is what is given to us by God. It's our spirit man. But our, our mind, will and emotions will sometimes tell us something different. And you probably experienced that. You'll, 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 you'll mess up. You'll make a mistake and, and, and your, your, your mind begins to, you're just a failure. You're worthless. How could you do this? Why would God love you? Sometimes your heart will lie to you. That's why those things you see on Facebook that says, just follow your heart. That's dumb advice. Your heart will lie to you. Follow the word of God. Because sometimes your heart will tell you stuff differently. You'll, you'll, you'll make a mistake and your heart will begin to tell you you're a failure. You're not worth it. But God says, no, you are. I love you so much. I sent your son and you are worth it. You are worthy. You are pure. You are righteous. You are forgiven. Even if your friends tell you something different, even if your past tells you something different, Pastor Wayne, you don't know what's happened to me. I don't care what's happened to you. That's why I haven't asked most of you what's happened to you because I've decided to see Christ in you and Christ alone. And I know what he's accomplished. He's made you perfect. He's made you whole. Even if the devil accuses you of something different. That's why the Bible says who can be bring a charge against God's elect. Not even the devil can accuse you because what Christ has done is sufficient. And by faith, we walk in what he's done. By faith, we walk in victory. By faith, we walk in wholeness. By faith, we walk in pureness. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done. And we believe that he did what he said he did. That's why Paul said, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And that's where we get to that conviction of things unseen. You say, Pastor Wayne, you, you say that I, I'm free, but I'm still in bondage to this addiction. Well, get back up. 
Even if your body tells you something else, even if your body tells you you're addicted, even if your mind says you're addicted, even if the devil accuses you and says that you're not worth it, why would God help you? You get back up and you put your eyes on Jesus and you trust in him and you say, no, I am free. But then you say, Pastor Wayne, but I, I fell again. Then get back up. But Pastor Wayne, I fell again. Then get back up and continue to trust God. You've only failed. You've only fallen completely if you if you don't get back up. But instead, get up and begin to trust God's word. If you fall, get up, open the Bible, begin to read what the Bible says about you. The Bible says that you are good enough. How do I know you're good enough? Because Jesus gave his life for you. Now, it wasn't because of anything that you did, but it's because he considered you that valuable. He considered you worth it. You were the joy put before him. And by faith, we believe that we are who he, we are who he says that we are. And we are forgiven. We are free. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. We are no longer enslaved by sin. So get back up and continue to trust God. And if you fall, get back up and continue to trust God. Put your faith in him. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Some of you guys have had me pray for you for something that's going on. And one of the things that I tell you is if you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and that thing is still there, that you continue speaking the word of God over that area in your life. Because our bodies may try to tell us something different. But the reality is, is there's a difference between truth and facts. The fact is, you may have got up that morning and you were still struggling or, or still sick or something was going on in your body in that area. That's a fact. But the truth is, God says, by your stripes, he was healed. And I always want to re reiterate that, that uh, in the book of Matthew, that that, that that verse in Isaiah is attributed to healing. I believe it's Matthew 8, 17 off the top of my head. But but the by his stripes were healed. That meant physical healing. That is reiterated in the New Testament and in the book of Matthew that, that that meant physical healing. So you get up and you say that even though I see this, this, this fact that I'm still sick, the truth is by his stripes, I am healed. The truth is that when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And that's not just in the area of healing in your life. We walk by faith, not by sight. Even if we don't see something uh, the way we want it to, to see, as long as it's in line with God's will and God's word, then we speak it as if it is in existence. I've lost my job. That might be a fact. But the truth is, is that God will supply all my needs according to his riches. Many of you are, are seeing that right this very moment. You've lost your job because of the coronavirus or you can't work. That's a fact. But the truth is God is still meeting every single one of your needs. Fact, I feel alone. Truth, God will never leave me nor forsake me. Fact, I feel unclean or unworthy, but the truth says I am the redeemed in Christ. You see, when we walk by faith, we see things according to the word of God, not according to how we see things with our physical eyes, because sometimes they don't match up. And it's not that we're ignorant. It's not that we're, 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 we're ignoring the stuff that's going on. The fact is, is that if you have a headache, don't ignore that you have a headache. Trust God, believe that you're healed and take a Tylenol. 
We're not ignorant. We're not stupid. I'm not saying that if you cut your leg off, don't try to stop the bleeding and go to the hospital. Just believe that it's fixed. Go ahead and trust God for healing, but then go to the hospital. We're not, I'm not talking about being crazy church, but I'm talking about trusting God in everything. You know, one of the things that's happening right now with us is, uh, uh, Blake is getting ready to go into to back for back surgery on the 12th. That's what the date was when my wife said the 12th, May 12th. Um, for you guys that, that don't know, um, uh, he has scoliosis and they're going to do surgery to, to fix his back. And I've been praying that God would touch his back and heal it without surgery. And I believe God can do it. I know that that's something that's 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 within his purview. He's able to do it. There's not a thing that is so big that God can't do it. And I'm going to continue to trust God. But even if he doesn't heal Blake's back with a supernatural miracle, that doesn't mean that God's not God. It doesn't mean his word's not true. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said that we're not going to bow the knee to you because our God is able to save us from this fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, I'm gonna, we're going to still trust and worship our God. Now, I believe God can heal my son's back in a moment. And we're going to continue to trust him to do so. But if he doesn't, we're still going to take Blake to the hospital. Because the reality is, is that that God has gifted people with the ability to do incredible things in the operating room. The technology that we have, the, the, the people, the, the wisdom that God has given people, the smarts that God has given people. And if God doesn't heal his back supernaturally, then we're going to trust God to guide the doctor's hands and do what must be done to heal and straighten my son's back that way. Either way, it's God that is at work. The fact is, is that my son is dealing with scoliosis, but the truth is, is that he is healed in the name of Jesus. His back is straight in the name of Jesus. And however God chooses to straighten his back, we're going to give him praise and thanks and continue to trust him for what he's doing because we're not walking by sight, but instead we choose to walk by faith because God is faithful. Amen. And faith is powerful. John 5, 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone, see that was Bruno. He was saying amen too. He's right there with us. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you want to overcome the world, church, you need to have faith. This is what it says, For everyone who has been born of God, everyone who is born again, whoever has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you have overcome the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You see, the world is always going to come knocking on your door. There's going to be temptation everywhere, but we overcome by our faith, by our trust. And if you're struggling in any area, get your head into the word and let your faith grow. Look up scriptures regarding that situation and let your faith grow in that area. And that's faith that you're healed, faith that you're victorious, faith that you're more than a conqueror, faith that you are loved. Faith that you're forgiven and faith that you're saved. It's that faith that we have that overcomes the world. We just need to trust in him. That's why Jesus talked about this idea of, of, of childlike faith in Luke 18, 17. He says, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. What a strange statement. Whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child. 
when we understand that children have a faith that surpasses ours as adults in so many ways, because as adults, we've been taught our own life that everything that, that has a, has a, uh, an action had a cause. And we're told our whole life that, that, that science is the answer. We're taught in schools, we're taught in colleges. You watch the news right now and everybody thinks that science has the answer for everything. And I believe that God created science. He created this earth. He created this universe. He gave us the ability to begin to understand it. So I don't have a problem with science, but I do have a problem when science tries to say that there's no room for the supernatural, that there's no room for faith. Because here's the thing, children, that childlike faith is amazing. Have you ever seen a, a kid standing on a big tall wall and a ch- the dad says jump it's only dads that, that exercise a child's faith moms are, are way safer than us but the, the the dad says jump and the child just leaps with reckless abandon why do you suppose the child does that because he has faith that the father is going to catch them he has faith that the father is going to do what he said he was going to do and be there and catch them and there's no hesitation when they're little. There's no hesitation. There's no doubt that childlike faith where they, they can't even imagine a situation or an alternative to their father catching them. That just is how it is. I remember when I was, uh, when I was uh, several years younger, Blake was a little boy and he broke a toy and he brought it to me and he, and he, he says, will you fix this dad? And I looked at it and the kid had broken it, something good. And I, I said, son, there's no way I can fix it. And he looked at me straight in the face and he said, yes, you can. He didn't have, he didn't, he couldn't think of an alternate possibility other than me being able to fix it. That's childlike faith. It's funny how God will use your children a lot of time to, to illustrate areas in your life. And that's when I finally got this verse from my son said that he didn't have a doubt or care in the world that I couldn't fix it. See, that's the thing too, is that children rely. The other aspect of this childlike faith is that children rely on their parents without them. They can do nothing. Young children, they, they, they need help getting dressed. They need help going places. They certainly need help not getting into trouble. And they can't do anything. They can't feed themselves. They can't use the rest. They can't do anything without their parents. Their trust is completely in us. And if we want to have childlike faith as Christians, our trust has got to be completely in God. And really erasing the alternative When we put our trust in God, it's never this or that. We just trust him fully. We trust him completely with this idea that God not being trustworthy, God not doing what he says he's going to do, not God, God not being faithful doesn't even enter our, our, our mind as a possibility. That's childlike faith. And there's so many amazing examples of faith in the Bible. How long have I been going? Am I going too long? It's 11.02. It's 11.02. When did I start? Uh, about 10.15. Okay, I'll try to run through this really quick. I had a lot of stuff to go through today, but it's good stuff. Matthew 15.25-28 through 28 says, But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Why was her faith great? 
because she believed that Jesus would work in her life despite things saying otherwise. Even Jesus told her otherwise. And she said, nope, I know who you are and I know what you're going to do. And she trusted him. She had an understanding. While everyone else thought he was just a carpenter, she had a greater understanding of who Jesus was. And she trusted in him. How do I know that she trusted in him? How do I know that she had faith? Because Jesus said, oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Luke 7, 6 through 9, another perfect example. And Jesus Jesus went with him. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion said, Friends, say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. And for, for I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he doesn't. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned to the crowd that followed him, saying, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. See, here's the thing. When this Roman officer spoke, he expected to be obeyed. He didn't wonder if the soldier was going to do what what he told them to do because that was their duty. He knew that if he said, do this, that they would do that. And we ourselves are men and women under authority as well. And Jesus has given us authority. So when we speak, we shouldn't question whether what is going to be done is going to be done. You know, in this particular case, Jesus said he marveled at him. Did you know that there's only two situations in the Bible where Jesus marvels? And that's times of great faith and times of great disbelief. And he marveled at this guy. He's like, man, you get it. You understand that all there is to it is that that his faith was such that when you speak, it happens. Jesus said that we're going to do greater works than these. So let's operate in the same mentality as the Roman soldier and understand that, that when God says something, he's going to do it. And when we speak under the authority of Jesus Christ, and when we say something, it's going to be done when we say it in faith. And then in Hebrews 6, 11 through 12, it says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Did you know if you plant the seed, but dig it up, it does not instantly pop up into a huge plant. You know, the only time we ever see of a of something growing from a seed to something huge overnight is in Jack and the Beanstalk, and that's a fairy tale. The truth is, is that when you plant a seed, you have to give it time to grow. And when you put it in the ground, you don't see anything happening, but you still water it, but you don't see anything happening. You don't see, and if you dig it up to just check... If you, if you stop believing that the seed is growing underneath that dirt for just a moment and you dig it up, you actually kill the seed. It's not able to grow anymore. You know, most of the time that we don't receive as a result of our faith is because we give up. We start trusting God and about 30 seconds into it, we go, oh, it didn't happen instantaneously. I guess it's not going to happen. And we dig up our seed and we kill it instead of continuing to trust God. 
Pastor Wayne, I've been praying for this and it just hasn't happened. I've been praying for it and and having faith for it, but it just hasn't happened. I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, when you start praying for it this morning, sometimes you need to put your trust in God for a little bit longer. It doesn't say that with, with faith alone, we inherit the promises, but with patience. Noah believed God for 120 years. Everybody thought he was crazy. He was building a boat for 120 years. But he continued to trust God even after after 10 years. It didn't seem like the weather was changing. There was no huge... After 20 years, nothing was... After 30 years, the weather was the same. After 40 years, the, but, he, but God said, no, there's a storm coming. You need to build a boat. And he, for 120 years, he trusted God. Abraham believed 25 years before Isaac showed up. And he almost dug up his seed. The truth is, is that when we try to try to do things our way instead of trusting God... Things get messed up. And that's when Ishmael came along. He said, man, I guess uh, I guess Sarah's not going to get pregnant. Maybe we'll, we'll go ahead and do, do something our own way. And that's when the, her, her, her maidservant got pregnant and Ishmael came along. And, and basically, Abraham tried to dig up his seed. He almost killed it. But God said, no, this isn't how. We're not doing it your way. We're doing it my way. And sometimes it takes a while. So continue to trust God. Even And that's that's the thing that, that even if it looks different, we're going to continue to trust God anyway. Even we believe God for something and we wake up the next morning and it's not the way we believe God for, it doesn't mean we give up. It means we continue to trust God no matter how long it takes because he is faithful. In James 1.3, it says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Fastness. You know, sometimes your faith is going to get tested. And that's how your faith muscle grows. You read the word of God and you have the opportunity to exercise that faith. And then we'll go ahead and end here in Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. It says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I always loved this verse because it says, having done all to stand firm, stand firm, stand therefore. Having done all to stand firm, go ahead and continue to stand. And then he says, you lift up your shield of faith and extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. What are those fiery, fiery darts? Those are accusations. Those are sickness. Those are calamity. That's, the, that's, that's all these different things that say something else other than the word of God. But our faith is able to extinguish those because we believe the word of God over the word of anything else. And here's the thing. This picture that's being painted here is that of a Roman soldier, and a Roman shield was big enough to cover a man from top to bottom, from head to toe. It was big enough to keep him safe. Our faith is like this. If we will put our trust in God, if we will walk in faith, then we can protect ourselves from the fiery darts of the enemy, and we can see God move in our life. By trusting him, we are going to allow God to operate and work in our lives as he intends and wants to operate. But if we act in disbelief, we actually limit the ability for God to move in our life. But church, the whole purpose of today was to explain to you that 
that we're a culture of people in this church. We believe in trusting God. We believe in putting our faith in him. Even when everything else says something different, we trust the word of God above all else. And we put our faith in the one who doesn't shift, who doesn't change, who doesn't lie. We put our faith in the one who is faithful. Amen. Amen. So everyone go ahead and bow their heads right now. I want to take an opportunity uh, to just share the gospel. See, I don't know who's listening to this right now. And the truth is, even if you're not, so they're not listening right now, somebody could listen to this because it's going to be online. They could listen to it in a week, a month, even years down the road. And whoever's listening to this right now, no matter what it is, I want you to know that God loves you more than you can ever imagine. God loves you so much that in order that you could be right with him, because the truth is every single one of us don't measure up. Every single one of us has failed. Every single one of us has stumbled. We've fallen. We have sinned. The Bible says that there's not one righteous, not one and if we're honest with ourselves and we look at our lives, we can honestly say that now we've failed, we've sinned, we've made mistakes. And the problem is, is that every single one of those sins, those failures, they separate us from God. Because God is perfect, he's pure, he's holy, he's righteous. And he can't be intermingled with something that is not. But the problem we run into is there's nothing that we can do on our own to make ourselves right with God. We can't live good enough. We can't live right enough. There is no cosmic scale that says if you do enough good deeds, it'll outweigh your bad deeds. So God made a way. And he understands that the wages of sin is death. The, the punishment for sin is death, eternal death. But God made a way for you and for me. He sent his son to pay the price for us. And Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived a sinless and perfect life. And he willingly went to the cross for you. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the pain and the suffering and the shame. You were that joy. You were the reason that he was willing to do it. And he went to the cross and he gave his life freely so that you could be forgiven, so that all of your sins could be wiped away. And not only that, that you could be made brand new and no longer be a slave to that sin that always pulled you down before. And the only thing that you have to do to receive this salvation, this free gift of salvation the payment for sin that he made, the only thing that you have to do to receive that is to put your faith and trust in him. You have to believe in your heart that he died for you, that he gave his life for you. You have to repent, which means that you turn away from that old life and you put your eyes on God and you have to call him your Lord and your Savior. And the free gift of salvation is yours by simply putting your trust in him. Now, I want you to say a prayer with me right now. If that's you, if you want to go ahead and put your trust in Jesus right now, if you want to be right with God, then say this prayer with me. Father, I just thank you. 
that you sent your son to give his life for me. He went to the cross and he died the death that I should have died. He suffered the shame that I should have suffered for all of my failures, for all of my sins. But he did it in my place. And then he rose again from the grave so that I would have newness of life. So this morning, Father, I believe that Jesus lived and that he died for me. I believe that he rose again from the grave, giving me newness of life. And from this day forward, I receive that free gift of salvation, and I will call you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you closed your eyes and you prayed that prayer with me, one, I want you to know it's not the prayer that saves you. That's just an expression of what was happening in your heart, that belief that you had in your heart. But if this morning you said that prayer with me, you believed it, I just want you to write something in the comments or send me an email at pastorwayne at livinghopemarana.org and just let me know so that I can pray with you or put it in the comments on YouTube or on Facebook and say, I gave my life to Jesus and we'll have someone reach out to you because we want to pray with you. We want to tell you what the next steps are and we just want to celebrate with you because you are brand new. You are no longer who you used to be. That old man is, is dead. It died with Jesus on the cross by faith and you have a new life inside of you. Hallelujah. Well, church, let's go ahead and pray um, to close the service. And uh, as we're doing that, also go ahead and and say hi on the on 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 the the chat, so I can go ahead and and say hi to all of you. I'm so glad that you're here with us. But let's pray, Heavenly Father. We just thank you for your goodness and your great love. We thank you for who you are. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that uh, we would just go ahead and 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 listen to your word. And allow it to produce faith in our lives, Father. Lord, as we heard your word being spoken this morning, I pray that faith would increase in each and every one of us. So, Father, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your great love. And I thank you, Father, that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, that we can walk by faith and not by sight, that we can know that even if the world or our friends or our heart is telling us something different, that your word is true. So Father, this morning, I pray that each and every one of our faith would increase, would would go from the size of a mustard seed to the size of a full-grown mustard plant that over 10 foot tall. Let our faith increase like that. And Father, I pray that every one of us who is listening would take to heart the idea of how faith grows, that we would spend more time in our word. And Lord, as we do so and our faith increases, that we would see you work more and more in our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.